Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 15 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off the week is Sean German of Next Scene Podcast. Welcome back, Sean. All right. Well, so my flight's been canceled, so I've got the rest of the week. I'm just going to stick it out here, so... <laughs> I've well, got gonna, plenty of time, so you're on your own for the weekend, though. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I've just okay. So I can only record one more minute, and then I've got to hit the phones because I've got to find a hotel room. That would be a good idea. Maybe you'll have better luck than Neil. So this minute begins with Neil continuing to try and get a hotel room via the phone, and ends with Dell and Neil turning to leave the airport. So as we were discussing yesterday, Neil is desperately trying to find some sort of accommodation for himself. And as he's trying to continue talking to the person on the phone, he goes, look, do you know of any other? And then you hear that she basically just hung up the phone on him. Yeah. Click. Yeah. <laughs> and I, first of all, I love the, the detail here. We, we see on the, the payphone it says, welcome to Wichita. And it says Mid-Central Airlines. Now, Mid-Central mm -hmm. Airlines, as we know, is a fake airlines created for this movie. But they actually took the time to actually to put that on the phone. <laughs> so you got to give them a little bit of credit for that one. I was gonna say, so speaking of details, as we mentioned, um, so there was talk of when we saw uh, we saw the empty chair in the waiting area. And we saw Dell's coat and his bag and we were wondering where the trunk was. And now so when we when we uh, get the wide shot, we back away from Neil at the phone and we see the sign that says mid-central baggage claim. And it makes sense that the phone for the hotels would be down, um, you know, by baggage claim where people are, are getting ready to leave. And we see Dell and uh, there's the trunk. So yep. yeah, they must, you went down to baggage claim and he, they unloaded the plane. He's got his trunk and uh, well, we see what he has to say to old Neil. Well, once, once the plane is canceled, once the plane is canceled, they really don't have much of a choice. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to take <laughs> off have his they have to take a steamer trunk out of, off the plane at that point. They got to give you your stuff back, yeah. Yeah, and Neil basically hears his name being called by by Dell, and yeah. and Dell goes, "Well, welcome to Wichita," and starts <laughs> laughing at him. I mean, again, he's very jolly with everything he does, and then Neil gives a very fake smile while he's looking at him. <laughs> And then Dell says to him, did you book a room yet? And Neil actually tells him the truth and says, I couldn't get in anywhere. So Dell then, then Del tells him, as soon as we got off the plane, you called home. I called the Braidwood Inn. Now, there is no Braidwood Inn <laughs> in real life. <laughs> the, the They actually filmed this at a... Um, at, at a hotel that is located 45 miles from Chicago, which is now known as the Sun Motel. But mm -hmm. next week we'll, we'll get more into detail about that because there's there's a lot to say about that particular uh, motel. Oh sure. And obviously Neil's response to to Dell is, "Well, I missed that one." <laughs> and <laughs> obviously because it doesn't exist, <laughs> yeah. you can't find you can't find a, <laughs> you can't find a motel that 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 isn't really there. So at this point, Dell then says to him, well, I've got an idea. I know the manager pretty well. I sold him some rings for his curtains. If you want to pick up the cab fare, I'll make sure you get a room for the night. Now, 
at this point, you can actually see most of throughout the movie, Dell doesn't try to use Neil, but in this particular case, he is trying to use him. You mm-hmm. think that 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 Dell would have this on his expense account for you know all his traveling for the sales and stuff like that that they must pay for a cab fare or whatever it is. So it's very interesting that he's actually offering to let Neil pay for the cab. You know. Yeah, interesting. That's a that's a good point because at this point, both these gentlemen are traveling for business. So all the expenses now they still have to come out of pocket. They still gotta. Um, somehow pay for hotel rooms and tickets and travel. I think ultimately though, I would expect all these, uh, all these expenses, including meals would eventually be covered by their, you know, by their employers. This would actually, you know, come up, you know, just put this on your, your travel expense so that, yeah. So neither of these guys is, I would, I would guess neither of them is actually paying for this cab out of pocket, like in the long run, obviously they got to come up with the cash for now. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of a, an odd thing that I hadn't thought of before. That you know, so he's, um, I mean, because it it, it kind of sounds like a not, you know, it it sounds like a nice transaction to say, hey, you help me out with the cab fare, and I'll help you out. I'll I'll make sure you get a room and all that. Although, um, yeah, it is kind of odd because assuming, assuming rooms are available, right? Then what is what is Dell actually doing? Like he's already given him, here's the name of a hotel that I expect will have, um, you know, will have available, you know, will have rooms, will have vacancies. So isn't that all, you know, all Neil really needs. He's got the name. He's he got the name call, of the hotel. He can call the Braidwood Inn and, and try and get a, a reservation yeah. or even check it. He doesn't even try and check it. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this more next week, but he doesn't even try and check to see if there's any availability yeah. there. He takes Dell's word for it on that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, one of them, Neil, Neil would make the call or Dell would want to be like, well, let me call ahead. Just and to let, make sure. You know, let, let the guy know that I'm coming. Let the manager know that yeah. I'm coming. Well, that's another that's another odd thing. And, and you can kind of get it, get more into it when you actually reach the hotel. But one thing I wonder is, like, this is the man, like the manager wouldn't be in charge of procuring shower curtain rings. Like that would be the owner or someone else, unless you know it's like an owner operator situation, or maybe it's just Dell is so gregarious and so friendly that even though he you know was dealing with the owner on the shower curtain ring deal, he got to know the manager there maybe. as well. Right, that could be. Maybe. That's but, very uh, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, so so Dell is you know Dell's kind of getting something off of. Neil, but it, it, yeah, is he really like he's not? He's not like personally profiting because again, my assumption is that the the taxi ride would yeah. be kind of covered by his employer as a business expense, as business expense. But he's kind of getting it off of Neil anyway. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So Neil basically contemplates uh, Dell's offer, and he looks around <laughs> yeah. and he sees this businessman lying on 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 the floor. Using his jacket as a as as a blanket and his bag as a pillow, and he basically decides that all right, <laughs> this isn't for me. I think I'm going to take my chances at the Braidwood Inn. Now, I, I I can understand why he would get a little concerned at this point, you know, not wanting to sleep on the ground in the in the airport, even though that that carpet does look pretty comfortable. That looks like it's pretty <laughs> thick carpet. Yeah. Well, and you don't. He, I would assume at some point, 
the the airport's kind of going to empty out. There's people that are flying to places where it's not snowing to airports that aren't closed and, and people no, but that again, are stuck this there is overnight. probably midnight. So if we're talking about you know at this hour, there probably aren't very many flights. Uh, yeah, that's true. Good point. Because I was wondering, like at some point, like does he have to end up on the floor? Will there be some place, not the floor, where he can lay down? But that's true. Everyone that's here at this point may be in for the night and maybe not necessarily a more comfortable place. Right. I mean, have you ever have you ever spent the night in a in an airport or no, or nope. anything like that? Thankfully, never. <laughs> I spent it in my office, but never in the, <laughs> never in the airport. Yeah, no. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think I have either. I've, I've, I know I've had some longer layovers. I know one time for for business. Um, I don't know. Like maybe I should save this to you the save end. It, save it for the end. Save it for I'll the save. End. I'll save. This will be a little teaser. I have a, a a long layover stay at an airport story. All right, great. But I will tell that later. So, okay. so back so to Neil. Neil, Neil basically, is, he yeah, he's definitely thinking about. It. He's like, well, how 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 bad can it be to <laughs> to stay in the airport and not have to deal with this Dell guy? And then yeah, see some guy using his briefcase as a pillow and his his uh, you know suit coat as a as a blanket and yeah, and maybe then, maybe Dell isn't so bad. <laughs> and then Neil like shakes his head. Off. Neil shakes his head very quickly. Uh, okay, then uh, yeah, sure, great. <laughs> and then Bill says, "All right." And then he goes, "Grab an end of this thing, will you?" <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. And at this point, yeah. this is the first time that Neil actually sees the steamer trunk that it yeah. belongs to Dell. We've seen it before; he's seen it. And this is the first time, and and you immediately see that he has recognition on, on his face. He knows what this trunk has done to him in the past. And he goes, is this your trunk? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you should try lugging this thing around New York City. <laughs> and yeah, the light goes on. I wonder if they could have thrown in a little flashback or something. I mean, I guess I think most people certainly. Well, they, they did uh, it. They did it last week when they had, you know, the, 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 where they superimposed the, the cab door on. Exactly. On yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They, they kind of put, and I, Oh, I laugh every time I see that 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 when they show you know Dell sitting in yes sitting in the airport waiting room, but then Neil sees him through the cab window, yeah. um, you know, just to give <laughs> us that flashback. Or I guess, or maybe they maybe uh, they figured at this point they you know they kind of gave us one push to refresh our memory that we should we should know at this point. But yeah, so we've certainly seen this trunk, and uh, now Neil's putting the putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, completely. Now, one of the things that we discussed last week was was some of the the, the decals on mm-hmm. Dell's trunk. So there were a few that I was able to to decipher that yeah. I wasn't able to last time. So yeah, obviously, these are all different hotels that that Dell apparently has stayed at. So we mm-hmm. have the Drake, which is in Chicago. It's actually a hotel that was built in 1916 for 10 million dollars, which in today's dollars that would be 120 million dollars. That's a very expensive wow. hotel. The original studios of WGN, the radio studios, were uh, were located in the Drake in starting mm-hmm. in 1924. Frank Nitti, who we talked earlier in the week about the Untouchables, so Frank Nitti was a you know prominent member of of Al Capone's uh, entourage. So he had offices. He maintained offices there for uh, many of the years between the 30s and 40s. 
1996, Hilton bought the hotel. They, they did a $45 million renovation over the years 1998 to 2003. Hmm. Hmm. Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe actually carved their initials in a wooden bar in the Cape Cod room, which people can oh. still go and see today if they're cool. if they're interested. There are several ghost stories that are related to the Drake Hotel. And there are a whole bunch of movies that take place or were filmed in the Drake Hotel. Risky Business, My Best Friend's Wedding, Hero, What Women Want, Continental Divide, Flags of, Flags of Our Fathers, a Wicker Park, which I don't know what that is, Mission Impossible. Mm. And so, yeah, those are pretty interesting things. So that's for the Drake. Then I saw another one that there was a, a decal for the La, La Posada. It's a mm -hmm. hotel in Santa Fe, which it's a hotel that is half hotel and half train station. It's they're built together. So it was built in 1929. And there are two main entrances. They have one that you can get in from the train platform and the other one you can you can get in from Route 66 itself. If you pull over on the side from Route 66, that, that hotel was actually closed in 1957 and it was turned into an office building and it was later abandoned in 1997 it was bought in order to be able to try and save it and it was restored and has been reopened as a historic hotel and restaurant complex now here's i mean why would he have this decal <laughs> if, if the hotel stopped being a yeah. hotel in 1957 you know, that, so what else did I find there? There's also one for the Deschler Wallach Hotel from Columbus, Ohio. It was built in 1916. The hotel originally had 400 rooms. There was a hotel built right next door that they connected the two hotels together, which made it the Deschler Wallach Hotel. The New York mayor at the time, Jimmy Walker, attended the opening and he tried and nearly succeeded in having a ceremonial sip of wine in each of each of the rooms of this hotel. <laughs> he apparently didn't make it, wasn't able to do that. Yeah. Harry Truman stayed there in 1946 during a meeting with the Federal Council of Churches of Christ. And he and Bess Truman returned there in 1953. What else can I tell you about this place? It was sold in 1964. And it was renamed the Deschler Coal. And then it was sold again in 1966 and it was renamed the Beasley Deschler. And then it was closed in 1968 and it was demolished in 1969. So once again, why <laughs> the hell does Dell have a decal from, I mean, this is 18 years earlier, yeah. you know, and they, they built the one Columbus center on that spot. That was, that used to be the Deschler Wallach Hotel. Just a few more others. You can also see a decal for the San Carlos Hotel, which was also known as the Gray Lady of Palafox. It's in Pensacola, Florida, for, and it was constructed in 1910. It opened its doors on the first day of Mardi Gras, and they had 157 rooms in this in this hotel. WCOA radio station began broadcasting there in 1932. I guess for some reason. They, they, they like broadcasting from hotels. I don't really understand why. The hotel ceased its operations in 1982 and remained vacant for over a decade. So once again, if this movie came out in 1987, 
here is another hotel that did not exist at the time that Dell was was walking around. It was eventually demolished in 1993, and they built a courthouse in 1998 in that spot. And the final one that I was able to decipher for today is the Hotel Utah, which was opened in 1909 in Salt Lake City. Originally, they allowed liquor because they, they wanted to let people who are coming through Salt Lake City at least partake in liquor, even though it's against uh, Mormon law. Mm-hmm. It was a launching pad for the Osmond family singing group, who as young kids were actually there doing a lot of dancing and other other types of things. The guests at that hotel are expected to dress in a coat and tie at the hotel's restaurants, and they enforced it, meaning that if you weren't with a coat and tie, you couldn't show up. Will Rogers, mm. the famous comedian, was once there, and he was refused service in the Empire Room because he did not have the proper attire. So he went and you borrowed a coat and tie. That's right. He borrowed a coat and tie from someone and returned to dine in style. Once Prohibition came around, they finally had a reason to stop allowing alcohol to be served there. And it, they didn't allow alcohol after that. And there there are lots and lots of famous people that, that, that have stayed there. I think I read that, that every single president between Taft and Reagan had stayed there. Uh, uh, sorry, the, it closed in, in 1987. So every one of those presidents between Taft and Reagan had stayed there in that hotel, which, which is pretty impressive mm. also. Wow. That over a period of, what is that, uh, 60, 70 years, every single president had stayed there. I saw one more decal for the Hotel Piccadilly from New York City, which was a hotel that was built in 1928 and demolished in 1982. Again, Here's another one of those decals. They, I, I, I'm trying to figure out the whole the whole idea of of giving all these detail decals. I mean, maybe Dell is just a collector of old decals from not necessarily places that he stayed in. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, or he's just been on the road for a really long time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's you have any? Around. You have anything else you want to say about this minute, Sean? What else we got going on? Um, no, I think we, we about covers it. So we, yeah, with, right. with Dell saying you should try lugging this thing around New York City, and uh, <laughs> that's one of the great things that it, that Steve Martin is really good at, and, and kind of as like the straight guy to John Candy in this film, just his um, various expressions of bewilderment, of puzzlement, just wondering like what you know, just taking in the majesty that is Dell and just trying to figure out what is going on with this life. And just one more, uh, you know, one more thing to confuse him about why is this trunk? (laughs) (laughs) How does this trunk from the streets of Manhattan end up in this airport in Wichita? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It closes up uh, what I have for this minute. Okay. Well, the script has one minor discrepancy here, which it, it has some nice lines in it where when they're standing in the baggage area. So Dill says to Neil, how many times have I been right so far? <laughs> and Neil's response is, I've lost count already. <laughs> and then he gets into the whole idea about the, talking to him about, about the getting, getting a room in an inn. He actually, it's called in the original script, it's called the, the interstate inn. It's not called the, the Braidwood Inn. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Dell says is, I've been waylaid more times than I can remember. A day here, two days there. Once I was stuck in Cheyenne for four days, waiting to get into Denver. I always come prepared. <laughs> so again, I think that, that pretty much in a nutshell says about Dell. 
who Dell is. Dell is a guy who is prepared for any type of situation and knows how mm. to deal with each of these type of situations. And Neil is the exact opposite. Neil seems like someone who is constantly pampered to and everything is handed to him on the silver platter and he doesn't know how to deal with this on his own. Yeah, I mean, if Neil does a lot of travel, assuming that this is not an exception to the rule, but it's probably a lot of strictly Chicago to New York and he's used to first class, business class, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's, he's not, he's not been through the ringer the way, the way Dell has, and he doesn't have that, um, you know, the, the, the same experience, uh, learn, you know, and learning from experience that Dell has gone through. So it's a little right. bit of a, a little bit of an odd couple, maybe more right. than a little. Okay. Well, it's Friday. So we're, we're now going to do weekend candy. So Sean, yeah. why don't you tell us your top five John Candy performances? Yeah, I mean, this is another one where it's a long list. I mean, you just pick any five. Um, I mean, if 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 John Candy's there, and I'm not going to say they're all winners, uh, you know, <laughs> some of these, you know, some of these films and are better than others, but you know, at least at least the John Candy performance you get was going to be good. Um, so so narrowing it down to five, I'm gonna once again we'll go to the Little Shop of Horrors that I that I talked about that, with Steve that Martin. You're, you're um, first or five, fifth. Uh, well, f- five. We'll we'll start from the bottom, and I'll work my way up. So, so my my number five, uh, just because it's a very small part, uh, it's a very bit part that John Candy uh, has in that. But you know, he he brings the goods every time. So, li- little shop of horrors, um, and then I'll go uh, nothing but trouble, which Ooh. I I'm a fan of. I know a lot of people. It, it doesn't have a great reputation. It's not very well reviewed, but. Uh, I thought it was a fun film, and you get you get double the candy. He actually plays um, two parts. He's a brother and a sister, right? So That's you right. get you get double the candy in, in that one. So uh, nothing but trouble from 1991. I think is a, a is is a fun film, and particularly good for your John Candy performances. Um, an, another probably uh, maybe another uh, dark horse or, or black sheep pick. Uh, I'm going to go 1941, which, um, again, maybe not the most popular, maybe not the most well-reviewed film um, from, uh, you know, from director Steven Spielberg, kind of the the black sheep in the Spielberg family. But I think (laughs) 1941 is it's it's a fun comedy and I think it's a fun performance from, uh, you know, from 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 John there. And then, uh, you know. Close it out with John Hughes, which, with John Candy doing what, what he does best. Um, uh, my next one's going to be Home Alone, where uh, it, it's another bit part. I mean, they only had him for one day, and I don't think anything was scripted. He just showed up, and he uh, kind of improved his his parts as a polka band leader that uh, that Kate McAllister runs into as she's trying to make her way home to to poor Kevin, who's home alone, but. Uh, you know, that's. I mean, I don't have to tell you how great Home Alone is. I think most people recognize <laughs> it, but uh, but particularly like like the, the the candy bits in that. I mean, he's really good. And then um, maybe it's cliche at this point, but planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, probably you know the, the exception in terms of uh, you know in, in terms of the 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 things that I list where it's not a, a bit part or a cameo or a side character. Obviously, he's he's one of the leads with Steve Martin, but uh, you've got. Um, 
there's there's some slapstick stuff, uh, particularly when he's driving in the car. There's this, you know, kind of some serious moments um, that he gets into. There's the, the 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 way he delivers. There's those funny sayings about his, you know, there's nuts and butt cheeks and the three legged ballerinas. <laughs> um, the way he delivers those lines. So yeah, I think that's um, again maybe maybe not his best performance, but in terms of the entire film, uh, it has to be up there. Uh, for planes, trains, and automobiles. And that's just, uh, you know, a, a guy who just delivered quality work every time he showed up on screen. So that's, you know, just kind of the tip of the icebergs. But if you're going to make me pick five, which you did, you made me yeah, pick I did. five. So I did. I those, did. <laughs> you made me do it. So, yeah, those, those are the five I'll pick for uh, for a little bit of candy. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that, Sean. Yeah. So, yeah. as I said, every day we have this segment off the beaten track where either – my guest or myself will give a little adventure or misadventure story, anecdote or whatever. So, Sean, you you started telling us about one earlier. People have been waiting for the last 20 <laughs> minutes to listen to it. And now you can give it to them. Uh, I, it's it's not going to be worth the wait. But I was trying to think of, did I, you know, did I ever spend a night, you know, on the, the floor of, a, of an airport or anything like that? And the, the closest I could think of is um, I actually – my, my my job sent me to India uh, once uh, several years ago. I was actually part of uh, my, my my job was outsourced, and I went through the process of remote training, uh, you know, kind of training my replacement. And then the final bit of that was to go over to India and kind of do the final handover and, and finish up the training to the folks that would be doing it over there. So uh, I, I I got to go to India, which is uh, that's almost a whole separate story. I mean, that's, it's a long flight and it takes a while to get there. But um, then I figured, well, when, you know, how often am I going to be able to go to India? Probably never, uh, particularly to have someone else pay for it. So while I was there, I'm like, well, let me, uh, you know, let me do some sightseeing. Let me, let me travel around. And uh, the, the place where I was, where I went for, for work was Mumbai. And I did a lot of sightseeing in that city. And then after I was done with with the work part of the trip, I took some time off and I went to uh, Delhi, and that was a it's a big country, not as big as the United States, but uh, it's kind of spread out. So that was a flight. I fly up to Delhi. I see the Taj Mahal. I see you know I do lots of sightseeing. I see the sights and everything else. Um, then I have to get back to Mumbai because uh, that's you know. The, the the job, the company that's paying for my flights, they're not going to pay for me to fly home from Delhi. They're going to pay for me to fly home from Mumbai, where where the office is. So uh, and the only flight or the closest flight I could find got back to Mumbai, I think it was nine, maybe it was 10 hours before the flight home wow. from Mumbai back to the U.S. And when I originally booked it, I'm like, well, with that much time, uh, you know, I'll catch a cab. I'll go back to the city. I'll do some extra sightseeing. I'll, you know, I can do something with that time. Um, by the time after, I think this was it, this was a longer trip. I think it was like two weeks of working and then a couple days sightseeing in Delhi. At the end of the trip, I'm like, one, I'm kind of tired. Um, two, I've got all my luggage from this two week business trip. I didn't quite have a, a, a Del Griffith trunk, but I had a couple suitcases. And also, I'm like, I, I'm not really sure. I had been with coworkers, and I had um, one of my coworkers actually from India, um, so I was familiar with the area and kind of was able to, to, to show me around a little bit. But at this point, everyone else had gone home. I was on my own, and so I wasn't quite as adventurous <laughs> in in actuality as I had been in the planning. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna stay 
here in, uh, you know, I'm just going to stay in the airport. I'm just going to wait out the 10 hours until, until the flight home. And fortunately they have, I guess I'm not the only one who does this. I guess it's not that unusual for people to have longer layovers or longer waits because they have, um, they had like a waiting room specifically and it was outside. It was like, it was inside. You had, you know, it was through a door, but it was completely separate from the travel area. So it wasn't where you would go to like go through security or go through ticketing or anything else. It was just a waiting room where people could go and wait. And so, um, I had my laptop and I had, uh, uh, I don't remember. I, I think I had ripped, I had copies of the Lord of the Rings videos, the extended versions of the trilogy. And either I had the discs that I played, you know, in a, in a DVD player, on my laptop, or I ripped copies. But basically I just sat in this waiting room and I watched, <laughs> I watched Lord of the Rings extended edition, all three films while I was waiting wow. um, for my connecting flight. Um, and, and I, yeah, so I'm just like, ah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't quite sleep. I probably could have gone to sleep. I certainly had enough time, but uh, I think that's the that's the longest time I had to spend waiting, uh, you know, in some kind of either airport or train station or whatever. And uh, and just to, to to go back to my earlier comment about the the about in the film where we see the, these guys walking around, and they kind of leave their their luggage unattended. Where I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And it's not. Nothing particular to the airport in Mumbai or India or anything else, because I would do I do the same thing uh, in, in the United States, where when I went to the bathroom, a long wait, obviously I had to, to go to the bathroom at some point. When I went to the bathroom, I would gather up, uh, you know, my luggage, my bags, my carry-on, laptop, everything else, and I would take it into the bathroom with me, yeah. rather than leave, rather than leave anything unattended. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that was that was the only time I could think of where I really had like an extended period of time where I had a lot of time to kill and, uh, you know, had to figure out how to, how to do it. So I guess, uh, you know, this is, this was a little bit later. So fortunately it was in the, the, you know, the kind of the time of, of laptops and portable entertainment equipment where I could just, uh, occupy myself with, uh, with some long movies to fill the time. So yeah. not entirely <laughs> in the same position as, uh, as Neil Page, but, uh, I could somewhat sympathize. He, he didn't have a laptop with him. Yeah, he, it would he, have been, he had forgot his laptop. It would have been run over in New York if he had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, John, so do you want to once again for the final time this week, tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, once again, you can find me. I'm from the Next Scene podcast that I do with my brother Brian, and we are at nextscenepod.com and at nextscenepod on the social media. Oh, and I haven't mentioned the whole week. Uh, I haven't talked about our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is the Jelly of the Month Club. So Ooh. if you want to, uh, you know, share your travel stories or, or uh, talk about anything or reach me, you can find me on Facebook. And once again, it's the Jelly of the Month Club. So thanks. And thank you again for uh, for having me on. And thank you for this deep dive um, into this film, which richly, richly deserves the uh, the attention. Great film. I'm, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and you can find me by just doing a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on my website. So, everyone, have a great weekend, and until Monday, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs>